report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays a Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment and reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the fifth episode of Rebels titled Out of Darkness. Now, we've got a particularly big announcement this week, or a couple of big announcements. Uh, so, William, do you want to grab those before we get into the show? Sure, Stephen. Um, so, big news this week, as you said. Um, we have a title in not the Lucasfilm um, in a, uh, a very brief tweet uh, announced that uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens has finished production, and uh, and yeah, we have a title. It was just like that. Uh, it was actually really funny um, when right after they tweeted it, someone responded to at Star Wars saying, you know, wait, they haven't announced the title yet. Or, you know, that's not the title. They haven't announced it yet. And, <laughs> and, and Star Wars responded with, we just did. <laughs> I saw that. It was, that was particularly amazing. But Star Wars The Force Awakens. What do you guys think of the title? We have a name. And notice, Episode 7 is not in the official title. Uh, I'm not convinced of that. I still think we're going to have... It's, it has to be called Episode 7. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how you get away with not calling it episode seven. I think they'll, I think they'll have it in the branding. I guess we're getting, we'll start on the episode seven part first and then go into the title itself. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have the branding everywhere. Um, I mean, if you look at starwars.com, it says star Wars episode seven, uh, the force awakens. Um, they'll probably have it in the opening crawl, but I guess maybe I have two theories. One, it's just easier to say, you know, the force awakens instead of star Wars episode seven, the force awakens. So it's easier for people to, to remember and to, to quicker to read that sort of thing. And also, yeah. you know, there's this trend where like when in um, when series get too long, be it a, a movie or a video game or a book, they tend to drop the um, the, uh, the 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 number of the, the installment um, and go straight to just the subtitle. So, for example, um, you know, you had. Um, Halo has done this Star Wars has done this Assassin's Creed has done this Call of Duty has done this where sometimes they'll have the the number and sometimes they'll just drop it completely Um, and so and those are gaming examples but this this happens in so many different places so it's possible they're just trying to make it look like you know oh there has been there's been seven Star Wars films already or it could be something else Tom? Yeah but they've already been mentioning that everything that's taking place between episodes six and seven, they've been using six and seven. They've been using, Mm -hmm. you know, between this episode and this episode. So I agree to a certain point, they're just going to get the name and title out there for right now. But at some point they're going to have to put in, this is episode seven. And then they're going to have to go, well, now this is episode eight. Now this is episode nine. Cause they can now slot anything else in between those episodes. Like for the clone wars, the clone wars happen between episodes two and three. Right, and I, I was under the impression so, that the you know the the sequel trilogy would be the 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 numbered episodes, while the standalones would have no numbers and just the subtitle. Oh, that that is probably true. Yeah, that, so it'll be true. if they don't do that, I wonder if there'll be some confusion with people on the the subtitle. Because I guess Marvel, I feel like they're they're different enough that you won't get them as confused. I mean, well, possibly. So, yeah. The issue you run here is we know that they're doing six movies. So let's let's pretend, as has been you know rumored multiple times, the first uh, big movie is episode seven, and then yep. the first standalone film is you know I'm gonna call it Boba Fett the movie, whatever. <laughs> like if if we have Star Wars: The Force Awakens followed by Boba Fett, the Force, or sorry, Bo- by Boba Fett the movie, how do you actually know that Boba Fett the movie isn't supposed to be, be the sequel to uh, The Force Awakens? Exactly. Like you exactly. you have exactly. to have the number. And I think it's you important to, it to say, somewhere. you know, episode seven, people are like, oh, obviously it takes place after episode six, which is the original trilogy. Right. And it kind of sets your expectations for where you are in the galaxy at that point in the timeline. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we market it. But for now, Star Wars Episode 7. Nope, no Episode 7. Star Wars. See, it's going to be hard to, to get out of that habit. Star yeah, Wars. It's going to be very hard. The Force Awakens. What do you guys think of the actual title, though? Let's let's talk about that for a minute. What does uh, The Force Awakens mean to you? How do you? What do you think of it? Do you like it? Do you not like it? So, as far as ranking actual like Star Wars titles go, I feel like this is relatively standard. Um, like the best titles, I feel, are Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith. Yep. In terms of just the title, mm-hmm. because they communicate far more than any of the others. And the Empire Strikes new- Back. Right. No, but Empire see, the thing is, Back Empire is Strikes Back is super generic. <laughs> really? And is, so it's generic. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I love okay, yeah, episode I guess five. But, like, when you think about it, it's also really cheesy. Like, hey, the Empire Strikes Back. Like, and then you just imagine, like, some big doofy guy, like, <laughs> punching someone on the shoulder. Like, Ret- Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith actually evoke, I feel, some actual feelings. Where the Empire Strikes Back just feels like, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it just it doesn't feel like anything in, in particularly impressive. Yeah, and I mean, and so I, I feel Sith... the Force Awakens isn't. Sorry, go ahead. No. Okay, I was just gonna say like the Force Awakens, not nearly as strong as those, but like certainly like not terrible either. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it, I'd say it's better than Attack of the Clones, which is probably my least favorite. Um, yeah, Tom, I, I mean, I, I think they I think they went safe with the title. You know, let's just play safe with this. Let's just let's just give it something. Let's make it generic enough to where it could go either way. I mean, that's like how how is the force going to awaken? Is it going to awaken by way of you know more of a Sith influence or more of a Jedi influence? Um, so yeah, what know, do you think that means that the title, the Force so Awakens, has it been? Asleep? I will say, how long has it been asleep for? That, that, just since the so end that of title... the original trilogy, or since like the rise of the Sith in the prequels? How long has the Force been asleep? That title makes me think of the Fate of the Jedi series and Avaloth and that. Or, I mean, you could argue that oh. it ties into Mortis. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of those kinds of uh, symbologies and ideas. I don't think that's what they're actually implying, but that's what I think of when I think of, like, that's what I would, like, dream it would be. So, so you're looking at more of a... They're questioning the force in this aspect instead of the force is just there. Now we're going to get into more of the, the mythology well, of the force. I, yeah, I think I, I see think... where you're going. I may be going the wrong direction, but I think I see where you're going with it because I agree about now that you mentioned it, the Abelot, the Morris trilogy. You know, you can even bring in the, the, the Night Sister part of that. I mean, what part of the force is going to awaken in this? Because maybe there is more parts of the force that's out there. Right. Have, have we not seen the full power of the force? Uh, or, or what the force can be, what it can do. Um, I don't know. Mm. What what does that mean? Maybe the force went to sleep after Return of the Jedi uh, or went so, dormant, and, and now it's back. We don't know. I mean, it's been 40 years. The whole galaxy can be different now, obviously, since we don't have the... Do we actually know it's 40 view. years, by the way? Do we know it actually takes Ooh, place? I'm, I'm, I want to say we, we've been we're told all a, it's... We're, a, we're assuming okay. so. We've seen pictures of like Luke and everybody really old it's gonna be at least like 30 40 years yeah i'm pretty sure it's been confirmed yeah they they, i don't think they'll be able to pick up where they left off no so the other way i kind of see this is actually as a uh sort of um i'm blanking on the jedi academy trilogy that the force awakens where the force is kind of actually meant to imply that the Jedi awakening, like a resurgence of the force as a presence in the galaxy and like the Jedi, the good force, the light side, if you will. Mm-hmm. Th- those are my two cents. I, I mean, hmm. obviously we don't know anything for sure. All I want is a good story. I want a good movie and I want to see this star Wars continue forward. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting title. I, at first, I wasn't so sure. I was like, "Huh." I actually saw it right as I was going into a, an early morning meeting, and so I was like sitting there during my meeting, like looking at Twitter, what's going on, and watching the news roll in, um, watching everybody freak out. But uh, but yeah, I I I actually like the title. Uh, it's really growing on me. I like it. Um, TFA is the uh, the acronym for us. The new one. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's three words. Um, Star Wars has has historically been three or four words. Um, I think the the middle title uh, it, it it follows the same pattern that mm-hmm. the, the 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 prequels and the original trilogy did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much like the Phantom Menace, A New Hope, The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I I really like it. I think it's great, great title, great start, and I'm uh, looking forward to actually getting more details about this film. Yeah, and so no, hopefully after the fate. They, have they finished right. principal principal photography? That's what I know this whole announcement was about. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think I think when this hopefully was hopefully now that the photography is finished, we should start seeing more. And for that matter, we're coming up on a year from release, right? Because it comes out somebody's uh, mentioned the same one thing. year, yes. one month, and uh, nine days. Right, and so quite often you'll see trailers about a year and in advance. Change. So sorry. Yeah. So I mean, that, the rumors that you know John Williams was. Um, supposed to be recording the music for the trailer this month, and there are other rumors that the trailer's already done. Um, right. And so, you know, who knows? Who knows? There's rumors that the movie's never actually happening; it's already been canceled. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and find out. You know, it's gonna be until this movie actually gets up on the big screen. Ah, mm-hmm. God, I don't know where I'm gonna be when that movie gets out on the big screen opening night. You're gonna be know. up here in Seattle with us. Yeah, we get. We'll no, I've got. The, I was gonna say, I, talk clones. We're gonna have to do the Ion Cannon podcast uh, premiere screening live. I I have had I've had the people that I work with the, at work. Uh, yeah, uh, we're William, I'm there. now imagining us sitting in the front row of the got theater, all this equipment set up. Yeah. Everyone's super hyped. We're like, guys, can you be quiet. We got. Sorry, everyone. We've got a lot of background noise. We'll we'll resume the show momentarily. Yeah, someone no, I've got in. You guys can't thinking. record this. We're not recording it. We're just doing lot. We're just doing audio, not video. So it's okay. Just, just think of it as um, just think of it as Mystery Science Theater three thousand, but the Mystery Science Theater Ion Cannon podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So that's not all the news. Believe it or not, uh, that's a big big piece of there news. There was more. There was more. Um, I actually don't think we talked about this last time, so I want to get your quick thoughts real, um, briefly. Uh, on uh, the 25th of October, uh, ABC re-aired Spark of Rebellion with a new Darth Vader scene right at the beginning of the episode. Have you guys seen it? And what are your thoughts on Darth Vader's scene? I've seen it. Thought it was great. Nice to hear James Earl Jones again. But, yeah. eh. That, that, that's my feeling. I have not seen it. I'm sure wah, it was wah, absolutely wah, yeah. Wah. <laughs> yeah. No. No, I just I I meant to see it and it just didn't end up happening. I'll find <laughs> it on YouTube these days. So yeah, I mean I watched it as well. Um I I enjoyed it. Yeah, as you said, great to hear James Earl Jones back. I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, oh it hasn't been that long. He he was in, you know, Revenge of the Sith, no big deal. And I realized, oh that was nine years ago. Revenge of yeah, that was Revenge almost a decade ago. ago. It feels like it was just yesterday. Mm-hmm. I remember the midnight launch of Revenge of the Sith. I feel like it feels like it was just yesterday, but no, it was almost a decade ago, nine and a half years. So yep. yeah, um, but great to hear hear James Earl Jones back. Um, it kind of set up the series uh, nicely, I think, with with Vader. Um, kind of ordering the Inquisitor to, to hunt down the Jedi. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, was it crucial? No. Very interesting that they decided no. to add the scene later and re-air it on ABC, probably presumably to get more viewers that way. Um, but it was cool nonetheless. So there was that. Um, also, out this week as you're listening to this, uh, tomorrow, um, since, since this episode goes up on a Monday night, um, Star Wars The Clone Wars Seasons 1 through 6, I'm sorry, Season 6 on Blu-ray uh, will be on sale tomorrow, uh, including a cool behind-the-scenes documentary. And, more importantly, to me at least, uh, and mm-hmm. all of you fans of Kevin Kiner's soundtrack. You've been wanting this for a while, William, and I think you finally I, got your wish. Many of us have been asking for this for a long, long time. And at long last... Um, on uh, the, it's expected to be released November 10th, so today, as you're listening to this. So if all goes well, the, the, the album is already out. The, 
the Star Wars The Clone Wars Seasons 1 through 6 original soundtrack, including 28 different tracks from Kevin Kiner and one from uh, Matthew St. Laurent, actually, um, about uh, of from The Clone Wars. So everything from Ahsoka Saves Anakin to Death of a Master, Yoda's Journey Ends, Ahsoka Leaves, uh, all Jedi Eulogy, um, Malin Savage, Duel Palpatine, all of these classic themes that we've heard. And uh, we don't know the running time at this point. We don't know how long, I'm oh, sorry, total length of the of the album is about 57 minutes. Um, we, yeah, so that puts it at, you know, about two minutes a track, I guess. Um, but yeah, really excited about this. And uh, finally, it's out. Download it. Buy it. Listen, because we finally get the music. Now we just need a Rebel soundtrack. Can we start asking for Rebel soundtrack now? Yeah, but for what it, I think, William, <laughs> you pointed out a while ago that a lot of the Rebel soundtrack, now that I'm listening to it a little bit more and more, it's a lot of the music cues from the original trilogy. Yes, maybe, although it's, it's remixed. Maybe tweaked. It, it's remixed. I have no problem with it. But when it's obvious, it's obvious. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm okay that's, with that's it. That's what I've been picking up. But, yeah, I, I do notice it quite a bit. I'm like, whoa, yeah. okay. There's, there's, so there's that. Yeah. But it's nice we're finally going to get the soundtrack from uh, The Clone Wars. Indeed. So, um, Tom, you want to give us the episode rundown? Yes, I can. Tonight we're going to be reviewing Season 1, Episode 5 of Rebels called Out of Darkness. This was written by Kevin Hopps and directed by Stuart Lee. The synopsis is Hera and Sabine are stranded, but not alone. Now, we've been asking for something like this for a while, but we finally get some kind of story or something about Sabine. And we're getting a little bit more of... We're getting a little bit more out of Hera on this. Um... You know, we got some of the backstory from New Dawn. We got nothing from Sabine until she showed up in this episode. But do you think at least, let's start with Hera. Was that enough information for Hera on her backstory from New Dawn and this? Or do we need more? I, I still think we need more. I mean, in, in a New Dawn, we got introduced to, to Hera. But mm-hmm. we really didn't still learn much about her. We know she's she's doing some sort of work. And, and actually, there, there are a number of questions that this episode brought up. Um... I I thought from a new dawn that she was kind of the mastermind uh, of the whole operation and Hera just joins in. I'm sorry, uh Kanan just joins in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Hera was primarily the the main character here. Uh and the right. one kind of doing all the missions for the for the this group that will presumably one day be known as the Rebel Alliance. And Kanan just joins on. So she's basically the mastermind here. She's the leader. Mm-hmm. Uh and Kanan is more of the 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 Jedi side of it. Um, however, she makes a comment later that almost makes it sound like Kanan is running the whole operation, um, which was fascinating, but is it, yeah, is it, mm-hmm. is it possible that he was just running this op and she's running the overall? Well, that's what is I mean. It, the way, the way she says it sounds like he's running the overall stuff, which is fascinating. Oh, okay. We, we can get into that in, in a little bit, but I did like actually getting more of a focus on on Hera and Sabine in this episode. Um, I feel like all the episodes, um, all the episodes of Rebels thus far, have really had Hera sitting in the pilot seat most of the time while everybody else goes off on missions. Uh, so it was nice to see her out in the field doing stuff. And same with Sabine. I mean, we've had little scenes with her here and there, but we know next to nothing about her until this episode, and it opened up a lot of questions uh, oh, yeah. about her backstory that I just cannot wait to learn. Steven, what, what were your thoughts? So like, so this was meant to be kind of the character study for both Sabine and Hera. For Sabine, I actually thought it worked really well. Like you said, like we, we learned a lot about her, but what we learned makes us even more curious about it. Whereas Hera had, I think, the opposite problem, where they didn't really reveal that much about what she's up to. And so we're, like, I had, tr- I'm having trouble, like, feeling engaged with, Hera as a character. I just don't know what her motivation is, like, other than, hey, we're good guys, let's be rebels. Like, I don't know, like, where she came from. I, just, I don't feel like I know anything about her. And it's kind of frustrating to, like, to, for her to be that black, like, a big black box, essentially. Yeah. 
we I mean we do know a lot. We know a lot of Kanan's backstory. The the, the crucial, right. you know, he he was a Jedi Padawan. Um, uh, you know, he was without a master, um, and kind of lived by himself. Um, and then joined up with with Hera. Hera, I mean, she just kind of swoops in and is already flying for presumably Fulcrum at this point, and that's about it. And mm-hmm. you know, we know Ezra's backstory now, at least enough. We don't know anything about his his parents. We know he's like kind of living on his own. Uh, mm-hmm. Was living on his own, unlawful. Zeb, we know um, his, his people were killed. His people people were killed, and then he had to deal with all of that. Again, not a not a ton, but enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. But this one, this one, I liked at least the aspect it brought more of Sabine to the front. I am. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thrown for a little bit of a loop, although I think it was mentioned. I think in the last podcast about the empire having different academies on different planets. And I think this kind of points out that there appears that's what they did do, or that's what they are doing because I was surprised to hear Sabine did mention that there was an Imperial Academy on Mandalore. What is that now going to do with the Mandalorians? Mm -hmm. How, how are they going to be played out in rebels? Because we had the Mandalorians that were given us in the clone wars and, Please don't shoot me, Karen Travis. Um, so now we're getting this aspect to where there is an Imperial Academy on Mandalore. Yeah. And I mean, let, let's just jump right into it, right? Uh, Sabine went to the Imperial Academy. Right. Which was fascinating to me. You know, she talks and about it was, how um, she, was, she was a cadet at the Imperial Academy on Mandalore she trusted in the mm. Empire, followed its orders blindly, and it was a nightmare. Right. What What could possibly have this, happened to her? This sets it up really well because she it ties into her motivations for this episode. And, like, we we get a sense of, like, you know, this is what the Empire is like. That it's a, you're going to take, you, we will give you orders and you will do what you're told and that's all there is mm. to it. And, like, it sets up her character nicely. We get a kind of a Han Solo-esque backstory where uh, she actually, is, you know, she went to the Academy. She presumably did well there, but uh, she realizes very quickly that her ideologies don't match. Mm-hmm. And right. now she doesn't we get just follow now, right. like we, we, we now know a lot about her character that she's not a follower or she refuses to be just a follower. But we're also wondering like, okay, so we know this was a nightmare. What was it that, that triggered her that, like send her on to this journey. Like we have somewhere to go with that. And on the other side, Hera, we just have nothing. We know that she's keeping but, secrets, which is right. actually the whole, really the whole subplot. I mean, the, 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 a I, plot, I, I guess it is. A subplot. I mean, the, 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 the basic, the basic premise of this episode is that, um, you know, there's a, there's a big dog fight at the beginning and the phantom is damaged, uh, by some tie fighters. Um, and uh, and Ze- Ezra and Zeb are charged with repairing the ship. Well, and uh, and the other one that was charged is you have to remember and Chopper. Chopper was yeah, part of the ship. Oh. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, those those three. I'm kind of getting annoyed with their constant bickering. Are you? Are it's, you getting yeah, more annoyed yeah, at, at the like, three? Brothers no, go ahead. Snow. They're supposed to be like brothers and the cat. They're mm-hmm. fighting, but you know what? Brothers don't always fight. I have a brother. No. You know, we you know we get into it occasionally. Not, nothing too bad. Um, but we'd also you know hang out and have fun, and you know I would teach him stuff, and we just hang out. And there's not as much of that here. It seems like they're constantly fighting, and so I'd like it, to see more of that. I know they're not actually me, brothers, but it. Well, yeah. It it, it strikes me as that. Like the sort of things you see at the beginning of a show, where they're like, "Okay, guys, what? Let's let's what's what are our character concepts?" Okay, so we've got Zeb and Ezra, and you know they've got this brotherly relationship, and then Chopper is always causing trouble. Great, I really like that. And so they start writing episodes, and then they realize, like partway through, like, "Guys, we need an ep- we need to like a subplot for Zeb, Ezra, and Chopper." Hey, mm-hmm. I know. Why don't we go back right. to that thing we keep using? Right, like, yeah. they, formula. Just, the characters for, haven't developed enough. Exactly. Like they haven't developed the characters to the point where. 
they're confident in or want to make give them other stories besides what we've mm. just seen. Right. Which is <laughs> I, it, it get, it's frustrating to watch or it can be, I right. should say. I, I did love and, and the I, little... I think right now. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I think right now out of the three characters, the one that does bother me the most is Chopper. Because mm-hmm. I think in some yeah. cases it's the character. He's doing it just to do it. Yeah, Chopper's just mean, actually. That I, I don't want to come out and flat out say that, but William, you're right. It is he's he's almost a little bit too mean for being a droid because, I mean, I'm vindictive too. It's like, ha, I'm just gonna mess with you because I can. Right, right. So and, what it I like? Let me ask you guys a question. What is Chopper's motivation, if you will? I don't know. We don't know how did is is Chopper. You know, Hera's droid, and so he comes mm-hmm. along for the ride. If so, between Chopper and Zeb and Ezra, they seem to be causing a lot of problems for the crew. Right. I mean, they're tasked with repairing the ship. They fight, and so because they get into this big fight, they fail to repair the ship and almost get Hera and Sabine killed. They almost get two members of the crew killed because they were being irresponsible. Yeah, so- Right. Yeah. So that one. So that doesn't. So like, obviously, if depending on the show you're watching, I think that would be treated very differently. So Tom, as you're fond of saying, you know, this this is a show that is aimed at your typical Disney XD audience. It can be enjoyed right. by many, but right. it. I don't think they're like they could have made that into a much bigger deal than they did. I don't think they're going to though. Like yes. Like that almost killed them. But on the other hand, like it's all in good fun. It was an honest mistake. They get reprimanded. They go to their corner for timeout. Sure. And sure, that's sure. all there is to it. But I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, if, if I were Hera or Kanan, I would step in and say, guys, you know, shape up or you're off the ship shape because, out. you yeah, know, we're, we're running out. missions. We're trying to save the galaxy here, form a rebellion against the Empire. And what are you guys doing? You're bickering. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Would you think at this aspect, they're they're on that, they know they're on that trajectory that they're, they want to now save the galaxy from the Emperor. Do you think right now they're just a, a crew of five that are trying to do their little hit and runs, and as we saw in the first episode, they're goodwill missions of feeding feeding the people who need it. Um, they are gun smugglers, or, or th- they're that, but are they now at that point to where, I know Hera did mention she something about... She flat out says they're rebels. ...for the larger good. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think that gets back to, I, I want to jump back a bit when it comes to who is Fulcrum, and you're looking, and even Sabine asked that question, I want to come along because I want to meet Fulcrum, who is this mysterious character? I mean, I think a speculation on that aspect, if it is Harris saying we're here for the better good, is it possible that at this point, Fulcrum is Bail Organa? I don't know. It's possible. But then again, I don't, I don't think so. Um, why not? So <clears throat> here's why. And, and, and just to kind of get us into this real quick, you, you brought up Fulcrum. Um, that that's the whole B plot, which we started to mention. You know, the A plot is they mm. they their ship is damaged because of this, you know, hijinks that you know uh, problems that everybody else is pulling, uh, specifically Ezra, Zeb, and Chopper. Um, so there's the whole damaged ship plot and the and the main and the mission. The B plot is, uh, you know, they're running this. They're picking up these supplies from Fulcrum, and Sabine wants to learn more about where all their intel comes from. Uh, and Fulcrum's identity is top secret, and Sabine Hera refuses to tell Sabine who this Fulcrum is. Now, who is Fulcrum? I don't think it's Bail Organa, to answer your question, because um, if you remember at the end of the first episode, uh, yes. Droids in Distress, uh, Bail Organa was secretly observing them, and, and he had R2-D2 record uh, what was going on with mm-hmm. the rebels um on, but that on the was ghost the first episode yeah but i it, it sounds like to me that that hera has been working with fulcrum for longer than okay. just the, for I mean, maybe maybe i'm wrong here i guess i actually don't know 
my 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 assumption is that she's been working with Fulcrum for a while, mm. uh, just like Visago. But Visago is more Visago is more yeah. like their public uh, guy that they work with, and and and, and Fulcrum is this, this mysterious character that nobody really knows about. Yeah, I'm so I'm seeing Fulcrum is uh, an Imperial somewhere. Ah. Or an imper- someone embedded in the Imperial ranks who is ready to uh, help. Like he's he's leaving hints and you know things like that for Hera, without being quite coming out in the open. He's kind of he's a winter, if you will, um, mm-hmm. to use a legend's character. Interesting. Hmm. And if it is winter, I would freak out and be amazingly happy. I <laughs> doubt that's the case though. <laughs> but I can. Freak okay. Out. Throw one more thing at you because of the situation that uh, Hera and Sabine found themselves in later. Do you think it's possible that it could be the Inquisitor? No. Because no. Well, okay. Unless he's All playing right. them, but no, I really don't think no. Especially because, but he... maybe, 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 maybe this is a foreshadowing because Canon does say mm-hmm. you know he trusts Hera and her contacts. Hmm. But I know. Okay, but no, I think okay, it's far it's more likely. Inquisitor. I don't think it's Bale, but I definitely see it as someone who is supplying information to various rebel cells mm-hmm. for the purposes of like okay. or, trying to organize strikes across the empire. Okay, but if that's the case, then why have the supplies on a planet with creatures that, unless this person knew that these creatures uh, do not come out in daylight? why have a meet there? I know it was abandoned. I mean, just, just a crazy question. But why have a meet there with creatures that could basically come out and kill people or or basically take them out? Well, I think it it it, it didn't really... It shouldn't have been a problem, right? They were they were about ready to leave. They got mm. a little bit curious and they started exploring. Oh, no, exploring, you got a point. That's but, right. like, they, they right. should have just been able to take off and without okay. any, any difficulty. Um... I mean, I know, but, but you're ahead. right. You know, and, and actually, Fulcrum was going to meet them there. If you notice, um, right? They were, when they were on the, they were they were talking with, uh, with, with Fulcrum, um, and and Sabine butted in. Yeah, and so Sabine butts in, and um, and and they arrive on the planet, and and, and of course, Fulcrum's not there because Fulcrum asks, "Hey, do you want me to wait around or not?" And uh, Sabine's like, "Oh, sorry." That, uh, sorry, Hera's like, oh, sorry, Sabine butted in. He's not there. I, I almost wonder if Hera subtly told Fulcrum by mentioning that, you know, um, that Spectre 5 was on the mission that, you know, kind of like, hey, get out of here. Someone else is, is coming along. Um, so that mm-hmm. she wouldn't meet Fulcrum. I I could see that. Uh, I could see that too. I suspect even Sabine so said. Here. Go ahead, Steven. Sorry, an interesting idea. Do we think that Hera does for sure know who Fulcrum is? That's a good question. I don't know. I'd like to think yes, but... <laughs> You'd like to think that Hera has verified her information, but on the other hand... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she does say, though, uh, that, and this is what we were alluding to earlier, it's no secret that we're fighting against the Empire. We need as many allies as we can get, uh, mm-hmm. which is why they're working with Fulcrum. Um... Yeah, but she doesn't really ever tell Sabine really anything. Not even like, oh, he's a some he's an informant, or we have to protect his identity, or he has information we can use. It's just hey, you know, she says, hey, I can't tell you because it's for the safety of the whole crew. And there's like a lot of exposition here, but I think it's all important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and of course Sabine is offended that she thinks you know she might talk if captured. Um, but you know, Hera just says, "Oh no, no, no! It's I trust you." It's just you know, the Empire can make anyone talk, and they start going down these mm-hmm. paths, like how you know the harder how, how Sabine feels like the harder they fight, the worse things get out there, and they just can't take the Empire down. Um, and 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 Hera keeps going back to, "Oh, you just need faith that it'll be okay." Faith that there's a long-term mm-hmm. plan that's bigger than you or me, bigger than Lawful, bigger than the entire Outer Rim. Um, we, Kanan, he knows what he's doing. Um, that seems to imply to me that, yes, there is a big plan already. Fulcrum is probably helping to plan it. And, mm-hmm. um, and Kanan 
is somehow involved in this as well as like a well, mastermind. Is it the possibility so, that he is he is a Jedi and that's why he is involved in it? He is one of the last, and it's all it's like the symbol of hope. You know, Jedi have always been a symbol of hope. Maybe that's why, you know, maybe Hera did start out as being the one that was in charge, but now that she was able to hook up with um, with Kanan, now Kanan basically is the one in charge because he is probably one of the last of the Jedi's, and there's now hope in the galaxy. I'm, I'm not sure about that, actually. Oh. Like, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You guys were talking about it. I don't think I weighed in at the time, but I'm not convinced okay. that Hanan's... Kanan is the one follow, uh, calling the shots for the big picture. Mm. I kind of think Hera is. I think Hera or, or, or is. Or Obi-Wan Fulcrum so, with Hera yeah. running missions for him. Right. But I, like, I, anytime I look at uh, Kanan, I see Kanan, like, Hera's like, guys, or sorry, Kanan's sole request is find me something that hurts the Empire and gets us some money that's all i care about that's exactly yeah and, that's exactly what he says hair is dead. the one who's actually put, putting things together in a bigger picture notice and yeah, i think he actually says I, sorry go ahead steven no go i'll let, I, I i'm gonna go into something I completely mean, notice he so. actually says it's Hera's job to find missions that cause problems for the empire and profit for that us is true in this that is true. yeah sorry sorry please continue steven no, so okay. This is my my new conspiracy for this for Rebels. We've got what thirteen episodes they're gonna do something like that. I thought I uh, we don't really know. There, there's, there's all sorts of rumors. I don't think we know. I don't think okay. they said how many. So we'll we'll have to see. But at this point, we now have two in only five episodes. They've dropped these two. Uh, sorry, I actually go as far as to say three. Uh, almost MacGuffin type pieces into each episode. Okay. So. We get we have the weapons. This is Ruptors from the first episode. We have the Tie Fighter, which is oh yeah, well we destroyed the Tie Fighter, and now we've got this box that Hera sees in this episode. That's true. What is in the box? That, this box that she we they pay they you know you it's a differently colored box. They are clear mm-hmm. like it is clearly special to Hera in some way, but we don't actually find out what's inside. And Tom, as you're fond of saying, if you draw attention to something, you have to it use it. It needs to be used. Right. And I like and what made me think of this is I uh, Agents of Shield did this for the first season. The first fifteen episodes, they kept having all these seemingly random plot points that were kind of weird at the time because they always felt like they either never got finished or they were just really out there. And for the second half of the season, they all come back together and kind of feed in on each other for this, you know, this big explosive mm. final arc. And I wonder if we're not seeing something like that here. You know, mm. weapons, ships, characters like Fulcrum, all leading up to some big plan that will culminate for our season finale. Hmm. Interesting. I would think that's yeah, possible that's, here. That that is what I'm seeing right now. I don't know if it's the case, but I'm very curious. <laughs> I think you could be on something. I, I do think that they're they're planting all of these seeds and and in due time, they will return to them and and all come together. Because I can't see them them discussing all these different things and just never addressing them ever. Right. Seems like we we have to really talk about a lot of this stuff and figure, find out what's going on here. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, it does seem like they're they're covertly gathering their forces. Um, back on the planet, and the unfortunate thing is, I don't believe they ever mentioned the name of the planet, and with the, uh, uh, since we're now recording before the episode guides come out, it's a little difficult to know the name of the, the planet and the creatures, but, uh, there's this, this old Clone Wars base there, and a very interesting, uh, asteroid field above, uh, that, that blocks <laughs> as, out the sun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. As a quick note, do we know why this large asteroid has the ability to hold have gravity and air when it's exposed to space come on don't don't you know overthink what <laughs> yeah I, I i would think right now just don't overthink it oh no so i i i i am perfectly happy to accept that like we know that the star wars galaxy is technology that lets you do things like this i just found it funny like there was mm. a scene where it suddenly struck me like they're standing in space technically that's odd <laughs> 
especially because this is an abandoned base, really, there is their equipment working that well that they can have anti-grav and air, you know, years later? But Of course. Possible. Um, but you know what they also have? They also have a ton of abandoned Clone Wars wreckage, including that... Lat Eyes and Arc 170s, which was kind of cool to that see. That was nice to see. Mm. Uh, as really well nice as a uh, very Hoth-like shield generator in the background. If you notice, notice mm-hmm. that one as well. Um, so it was kind of a nice blending of of old and new tech there, um, which is which is always cool. Um, but of course, not content to just pick up the stuff and leave. Of course, they would soon find out they can't actually leave. But um, attempt to leave. <laughs> they yeah. decide, oh, let's let's check out this scary dark abandoned base and uh, they discover these creatures unfortunately I don't know the name that are basically afraid of the shadow uh, afraid of the light so they always stay in the shadows Um, and uh, that's when of course a giant asteroid is about ready to cover the the sun for a a short time and they're out of gas due to fuel leak Tom? yeah so I no. have a very important question. Or Steven. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Steven, go ahead. <laughs> I, not to steal your... No, so... No, in go the ahead. Star Wars Galaxy, do they not have, like, nice little fuel dashes on the, like, controls? Like, hey, guys, we're flying away from the ghost, and I'm noticing that our fuel gauge is dropping from, like, we're, we're already underneath what we should be, mm-hmm. and we're dropping lower by the second. Does I that think, look right to you? I think Hera mentioned something that... The last time she checked her gauge, I think she said they landed with almost a full tank of gas. So the gauge must have been off until they landed. And then once it landed, that's when the gauge decided to actually work. She mentioned something to that extent. That I do oh, remember. Okay. I, I, I must have missed that. I, I approve. That's, that's a nice detail. Yeah, but still, I agree. If you're flying away from a ship and you've got a fuel problem because they did show the fuel problem when she was going back to the ghost they did show it spilling mm-hmm. out into space don't you think the same thing would have happened leaving the ship and that means he should have been losing some kind of gas on the way to the destination so she should have watched the gauge fall you know yeah, some people think. when they're driving or flying just don't really pay attention to the gas level and no. the next thing I know, the idiot light comes on. They're like, oh, crap, I'm out of gas. I need to find a gas station. Maybe that's just what happened. They need to find a space gas station. Maybe, maybe the idiot light didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, God, that just reminded me of the, the robot chicken episode. Yeah, exactly, where they go to the gas <laughs> station. <laughs> yeah, with the wall. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I could see Harry anyway. going to a gas station like that. Anyway, so, so yeah, you you were mentioning William that that they decide to go out and explore this abandoned base, and they see all that really cool Clone Wars hardware. But now the creep factor of the episode comes in because these creatures are just skittering through that hangar bay because it's in the dark, and they're afraid of the light. They're only afraid of the sunlight because I have a feeling that when when a, a flashlight was dropped or I think finally when they get rescued, that light didn't affect them. It was only sunlight. I right. think affected them. Maybe some sort of UV light. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very interesting creatures and very uh, dangerous for sure. Uh, they end up setting up these, these traps uh, based on Sabine's idea. Uh, these right, the rhydonium canisters and blow them up. Although now that reminded me of seeing those canisters reminded me of, I think the force unleashed. You got to see that it's one star Wars game. There's a bunch of canisters that look like that. I can't I yeah. think it was force unleashed. Notice they're all red canisters too. very video game like yep. there. <laughs> yep. The explosive canisters are always the red ones. Um, and they, they basically put them up in like four, four layers, four rows so that they could have these different waves, and they, they blew up one one row and, and ran to the, behind the next one and blew up the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And they realized there's still more of them. Yeah. And they're out it of Rydonium. It was like Rydonium. a big swarm. It was like a swarm. I feel like they... I, I have to, they, well, they I, I have to say one thing. Uh-huh. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I have to say one thing, that when they started blowing up those canisters, 
those creatures blew up very well. Did you see in some of the animation aspects? <laughs> I mean, when you see them get shot, you see the full body, but in some cases when they blew up, unless I'm looking at it wrong, that there's times I look at the show going, they really, they're hitting their mark on the audience, but it's a little bit above what they're looking at. And in, in some of the some of the things are getting away with. Sure. I mean, oh, man, they, they've done such a great job on the explosion. Oh, they have. And very colorful and pretty in the series. And um, in the detail, I mean, I, I, I didn't mention it earlier. I'll just just uh, take a step back here. And, and I want to call it the animation where uh, right after they get off the they get off the ship and they, they get back you know, after the, the TIE fighter fight at the very beginning. And um, they they get back on the the Phantom talks back with the ghost and Zeb and uh, Ezra and Chopper all are getting off of the ship and that's when Ezra says wait you guys have to repair the the the, the, the Phantom and the animation as when they both sigh was mm-hmm. it made me laugh because it's just like when um. You know, you, you get home from the grocery store and the kids are like, okay, quickly, let's go, you know, run inside and uh, and start playing before they notice that we're gone and make us help with the groceries or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and so they both had that same look like, oh, yep, you found me, you things. caught me, you're making me do the yeah. work. Darn it. Um, so anyway, lots of lots of great animation little details in this episode for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I, including I saw a nice one. Yeah, yeah. I I saw a nice one. I want to call out as well. There was, there was the scene in which, um, inside the ship where Sabine was. Ta- I'm sorry, Hera was talking to Sabine about trust, and there was this little head nod back and forth that that Hera did. It reminded me of an old animator called Mark Davis. If you take a look at some of the stuff he did, I think, um, um, Little John from. Uh, Robin Hood, the Disney animated Robin Hood, and a couple of his characters, Mark Davis, when he did the characters, he'd do this little head nod of the characters, if you really watched. And Hera had that same thing with this little head nod back and forth. I, being a fan of animation and watching that, I appreciated that kind of attention to detail in a character, especially the way she was trying to you know, really get some emotion to Sabine. Throwing that in there really worked. So just to call out the animation guys, you did a good job. Yeah, it's great animation, uh, great effects on the, the explosion, all sorts of, all sorts of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it was interesting to see Hera. Hera, I mean, at the end, she, she says that she trusted Sabine and, and put her her life in her hands, mm-hmm. and yet there's this one comment in the middle where she says, you know, hey, it worked. Uh, Sabine says, hey, it worked. And Harris says, you doubted your own plan? And Sabine says, no, of course not. And she says, good, because I sure did. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, there's, a, there's a lot of this. And, and I got it going back. Sorry? Contradiction? Yeah, or, or just going back to the whole constant fighting between uh, Zeb and uh, and Ezra and Chopper. You know, a, a little bit of conflict between the, the the crew is a good thing, you know, and, you know, Han and Leia were constantly, you know, bickering back and forth and, and that sort of stuff. But I don't know. It seems like it's almost a little overboard with how much the the characters are constantly kind of putting each other down mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Um, I don't know. It's not a huge deal, but I have certainly noticed that they they tend not to be very nice to each other most of the time and they mean they mean it jokingly obviously they're not they're not actually mean but mm-hmm. um i don't know just something i I've, yeah, I've noticed it's like i th- i think you've kind of you're kind of onto something because now that you think like you're mentioning it, i'm kind of seeing it too or i'm seeing it more more clearly it mm-hmm. it's like almost the entire cast are younger than they really are Mm-hmm. in a sense mm-hmm. so like we saw behavior like that out of uh ahsoka in the early clone wars but on the other hand like we expected that of ahsoka because you know she's young and inexperienced and these are things we expect out of younger characters we like i expect to see the same sort of stuff from ezra but seeing it from like 
Hera or Kanan or Zeb especially, I think is the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just feels slightly more out of place because you expect these characters to be a little bit better about this all. A little more mature. Have. Right. Yeah. Not that you can't have the fun joking, you know, oh, you suck, you know, that sort of thing. But I don't know. It just seems like they're constantly putting each other down. Um, not always, but but to a certain some extent. Um, so anyway, they they realize there's more than four waves worth of of enemies. So they hold out on top of the phantom, you know, shooting and kicking the creatures as they come, and um, uh, until the ghost arrives to save the day, complete mm-hmm. with the Star Wars main theme. Yep. Um, One. Yes. One thing I want to point out again when it gets to animation when they're on top of the Phantom, how they were doing the the the, chore, the choreography of the two characters as they were using their blasters, how they would rotate to where one was covering one side, one was covering the other, and then you would see them at a couple points rotate to basically back-to-back, covering each other's back in different directions. Choreographed that was, again, whoever did the animation in that did a great job. It was just very fluid how it was done. So I appreciated that. And then you had the, you know, the ghost come out of nowhere and save the day. And that's where you had, you know, you, you got. Mm, wow. Sorry, crashing a bit here, guys. No, I mean, so it's it's very formulaic in that the episode just like the ghost comes in that saves the day. Yep. We get an, a fun scene where the uh, beasts are, you know, making the last assault on the boarding ramp. And like that, that's about it episode rolls out and we call it a day oh and we get the of course the uh, I'm blanking on the word reconciliation between yes. the two characters who have been arguing the entire time but yeah Sabine says okay I, I promise to trust you Hera because uh, because Hera says know that we won't always be fighting this battle alone kind of hinting that, that the rebel lights might get bigger at some point but uh, but yeah that's that's about it that's that's it for the episode. Yeah, Aside from this little moment episode. where Sabine saves Ezra um, while Ezra was trying to save Sabine and Hera. Yeah. Oh, that's and... true. I, so we, we talked earlier about, you know, the, the formulaic parts of the characters. And th- this is the one that, for whatever reason, still isn't bothering me. I feel like they've done it in enough different kinds of situations that I still find it kind of funny when it happens. Mm. But feel free to disagree with me. <laughs> the whole, no, I... Yeah. The but Sabine and Ezra, sorry, yeah, Sabine and Ezra doing their little thing, however yes. you want, whatever you want to call it. Well, they had another one of those, like in last week's episode, they had the bickering in the elevator shaft between Sabine and Zeb about how Kanan is, you know, changing the plan again, and Kanan's like, I'm right here. They had something similar to that where you had Zeb and Ezra were outside of Kanan's room. This is going back to where, you know, they finally had to come and face the fact that, hey, you know what? You know, Hera and Sabine are in trouble and they're outside of the door. They're bickering and Kanan's inside meditating. And when the door finally opens, Kanan's just like, you know, I know that they're in trouble. And here you have Zeb and Ezra like, how did you know? And he just says, I could hear you guys yelling through the door. Yeah, <laughs> you think he's 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 sensing this to the force, but no, he's just yeah. Talking. He was just he was hearing it through the door. I mean that that to me, if like you said, Stephen, if if they do that different ways, it's not going to bother me. It is a little formula to where that's cool. But if you find a way to use that same formula differently, that's great. But if you yeah, use the same I, I formula like all the time, in, in the same way, yeah, like you you pick a theme for your formula, not an actual event. Yes. So they've picked, you know, this theme of, uh, you know, Zeb and Ezra as brothers. Sometimes it feels really frustrating because it's like, oh, hey, Zeb and Ezra are fighting again. Like, we've seen that a million times. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we see, you know, kind of the new material on top of that. Like, oh, they're yelling it at each other outside of the door of the person they're trying to, like, they're talking right. about trying to uh, lie to. Things like that. It's like, oh, that, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be super funny. It just has to... But it's different enough that, like, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, interesting. Right. Right. So are we ready to rate this episode? I think so. Okay. Let's do it. Um, 
You know what? I'll go first. That's good because I'm still trying to figure out what I want to. Yeah, read. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm the same way on this. I mean, I'm not going to say I didn't like the episode. Um, you know, for what it was, again, it it's a solid episode. It's moving everything forward. It's got a little bit of rough points, but not, you know, not, I still think compared to the first season of the Clone Wars, this is really taken off, I think, better, a little bit smoother, but there's still something where it's got still room to grow. Um, I, I, I'm really fighting with the rating on this because part of me wants to give it a seven, part of me wants to take it to a 6.5. You know, I'm going to take it at 6.75. I'm going to split the two. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, a 6.75 on this episode. I liked it. it. It's not that it was a bad episode. I liked what they did with it. But I, that's what I have to say about it. A 6.75 on this episode. And I'm going to take my Womp Rats and I'm going to have them... Oh, God. I'm going to have them dangling from one of those asteroids in front of those creatures teasing them the whole time to where if they are in the sun, they can't get to them. I want to tease those creatures with the womp rats, but I don't want to feed the womp rats to them. Oh, I so see. I, you you yeah. are feeling benevolent today? Yeah, I'm not feeling as mean to them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take my 6.7 womp rats and have them sit on that planet to where they can stay in the sun the whole time just out of reach of those creatures. And every time it looks like a shadow is going to get there and it looks like they're just about ready to, to be eaten by those creatures. They run to the, sh- uh, the sun again. So All right. I- I'll let them live today, but they'll tease the other guys. <laughs> so, okay. Um, William, you want to go next to give Steven some more time? Or? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, Ooh, thanks. No problem. <laughs> I enjoyed this episode again, not perfect, but I really liked the, hints at Sabine's backstory. I hope we get more on this in the future because I'm really fascinated by her character. Um, she's a Mandalorian who went to the Imperial Academy and didn't like it um, and, and somehow got, uh, and, and, you know, ended up with the, the rebels and with Hera and Sabine and I'm sorry, Hera and Kanan, uh, obviously Sabine with Sabine. Um, and, and so I, I think she has a lot of potential, really fascinating mm-hmm. backstory and I can't wait to learn more about it. We just really know nothing about her at this point. So uh, from that standpoint, it was nice. It was nice to see Hera a little in action uh, some more. Um, I don't know. She seemed to she seemed to bicker with Sabine a bit. I mean, she tends to be the nicest character to to Ezra, for example, usually giving him words of encouragement, that sort of stuff. But mm. with Sabine, she's like, cut it out. Shut up. Don't ask questions. Um... So that that was an interesting dynamic there. Uh, the whole oh let's set up waves of defenses kind of boring, you know, not not super super interesting, but it works. Um, so overall, I, I think this episode I'm gonna give it a, a seven and a half, a seven and a half womp rats. Okay. And um, I know I said it wasn't particularly interesting, but I'm still gonna set up waves of defenses and let the womp rats w- run through it. And as their womp wampets are running to escape. Um, just blow up those waves of defenses. Okay. Okay. Steven. Steven, oh. you're up. Is it, is it my turn? It is yep. your turn. All right. So, let's, I guess you guys have both kind of covered it all pretty well. I, I really liked, excuse me, I'm about to cough. <clears throat> I really liked Sabine in this episode. I thought the story we got about her was really good. Like, I enjoyed finding out, like, confirming that she was from Mandalore, that she went to the Academy. And I'm really, I really want to find out more about what happens next. Uh, Hera, I, I, I feel like I actually liked her less after this episode than mm-hmm. previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And obviously all the other kind of problems and benefits that we've discussed before, uh, in addition to all of this. So uh, I'm going to go with a 6.5 out of 10. I thought, like, okay, episode is not great. And with my Womp Rats, well, what you don't, uh, what you guys didn't know, and it's not in the episode, Uh-oh. but I'm sure it'll be in the episode, guys. <laughs> this Clone Wars base was a site of 
evil genetic mutations. The beasts that you see are the results of those mutations. Uh oh. Whoa. They're actually oh. womp rats. Yeah. So those are my womp rats. They're the actual beasts here that, that were attacking all of your womp rats. So explain why can't the womp rats see the sun? Part of their genetic mutation. Got it. Maybe and, too much sun on Tatooine. Uh, no, it's far worse than that. See, there's no, because they're on the base. There's this. There's no atmosphere or anything to protect from the sun's harmful rays. So it's just mm-hmm. really bad radiation. Interesting. Yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay. I believe you. Okay, and with that, we have coming up on the Clone Wars. It's going to be Season 1, Episode 6, Empire Day. That starts, uh, it's going to be Monday. In fact, it's probably... Uh, As you're listening to this, it's out on Watch Disney XD. That's right. I have to say that is the coolest thing because I have come to the realization that you're not getting as many commercials if you watch it on that app. Oh, no. Compared to watching it. Whenever I watch, I get two commercials at the very beginning. I get two commercials three minutes in, five minutes in, something like that, and then nothing else. Yep. And it. Let me say that there's no guarantee that's going to last, unfortunately. I've got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping, but I've seen enough, like, because I remember watching TV when, like, that that trend first started. Mm -hmm. Sorry, watching TV online. Right. And it started out with like, they'd show you like, hey, we'll show you like a com- like a commercial before or one commercial after. Right. And it's slowly become like, hey, we're going to show you even more commercials than you would normally see. And it, it's disappointing. I, I, I will. And, and this will date me. I remember the day when Internet radio started. There was no commercials when the radio station you were listening to went to break and the guys just continued the show on the internet. Hmm. It was almost like a secondary show that was only for the internet listeners. And then when that show went back live on air, they did the show on air. Then when it went to commercial break, then they went back on the internet and continued the show. I remember those days. And I got myself in trouble for it too. It's funny. (laughs) Uh, Long story. No. So I I meant to tell you guys this earlier. I have a friend who was listening. He's been listening to the podcasts. Uh, just started recently because he's been watching Rebels. Okay. Um, and if he's listening now, you know who you are. But he made a specific request that we try and fit at least one Thomas Old joke in every episode. Really? It was a, like he really enjoyed that uh, us <laughs> making fun of you for some reason. <laughs> it probably you know said what? something horrible about him as a person, but. <laughs> no, you know what? I can I can take it honestly because I <laughs> out of out of everybody that I know. That that I think I know who I, I podcasted with. I think I am the only one that remembers seeing the first run of all three of the Star Wars movies in the theater. Not the first time I've seen them on VHS. Because I remember going to the movie theaters with my dad watching Star Wars. And I remember it vividly because my dad was cracking up when R2 got hit by the Jawas and he fell over. My dad died laughing <laughs> at that. So that that's what I remember. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, bring on the old jokes. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> well, with that, right. um, want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ion Cannon Podcast. Um, yep. Stay tuned next week, as we said, for Empire Day. Uh, very curious to see what that's going to be about. I'm going to guess it involves a day celebrating the Empire, but that's just me. Nah, that that Um, seems crazy. Roll the dice and see if it comes up with that. We'll see what happens. So, hey, and don't forget, friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and don't forget to rate us in your favorite uh, podcast feed because every time you rate us, it will get out there and it will help the show growth in the Star Wars community. And if you have any old jokes... Post them on our Facebook page. So, oh, so Tom is so old. Let's let's see what you guys come up with. So Tom is so old. Take it from that point. I don't care. Uh, I, I feel bad for mentioning it now, Tom. I didn't mean to. to oh, make don't it worry a, about it. I get it all the time. I get it from my kids. Should that should that be our new rating system then? No. Like, this is... No. 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 Okay. No, no, okay. We do. No. We do need to stick to Womp Rats. Yeah. Keep it with Womp Rats. Sounds good. That's all right. Okay, well, thanks, guys, and we'll be back next week with another episode. 
Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or their respective trademark or copyrights. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2014.